Good morning, everybody. It is the 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. And it is such a blessing that we have the privilege of living in the United States of America, a country where we have the freedom to do exactly what we're doing right now, gathering together to worship and also tuning in online without that censorship. We thank God for this country and we pray for this country that it may continue to flourish and go forth proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm Pastor David, lead pastor here at 3W Church, and I just want to take a minute to remind you that the vision of our church is to equip the body of Christ to live a lifestyle of worship that will cause change. How do we do that? Through these services like we're in right now, through small groups, through fellowship, our breakfast. That's how we equip and especially by reading the Bible and spending time in prayer every single day. Why do we want to do that? Well, we do it because you know that we are the answer to the lost world. When we speak about Jesus, when we live a life that honors Jesus, people can see the difference and they'll want to live a part of that life as well. This morning, I want to ask our sister Alexa Tirado to come up to the altar as she is going to take us today to our second destination of our summer road trip. everyone it is an honor to be here today bringing the word to the church as pastor David said today is the second uh, part or the second stop on our summer road trip um, and as I was saying in the morning service right um, this stop that I'm going to talk about today might not look like something you expected this morning or you might say hmm I didn't think that you were gonna talk about this today I wanted something more happy and dandy right but when we go on a summer road trip we plan the stops we're gonna make right and we expect that all those stops are gonna meet our expectations but sometimes one of two things might happen Maybe we have an unexpected stop, a flat tire or something happens, and that stop is not enjoyable, right? Or we might go to a place that we were actually planning on going, we stop there, and it ends up that it was such a waste of time. It was such a waste of money. It was such a waste of gas. I didn't like this place at all. And sometimes that happens in our lives. We have some stops that maybe we didn't plan on getting there, or maybe we planned to get somewhere, but it ended up being something else. So today I'm gonna talk about a stop that everyone must encounter one day or another, and it's hopelessness. But today we're going to talk about hopelessness versus hope. And we're going to see where our hope can be found. And first of all, I want to read a verse in Romans 15, 13 that says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace 
because you trust in him. Then, everyone say, then. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing I want to define this morning is what hopelessness is, right? Another word for hopelessness is despair, right? Hopelessness is a discouragement. It's when you live in pessimism, when you have a lack of illusion, when you are in despair. When you are hopeless, you feel without spirit, without any motivations. When you are disheartened with no illusion at all. Hopelessness is often related to frustration. When things don't go the way we planned, or when we don't get things when we want them, we get hopeless. We lose our hope. Life is full of up and downs, right? We've heard that before, or high and lows. But the important thing is, how do we react when those lows come? Do we stay there, or do we keep going? Do I reflect, or I just drown? What your reaction is, is key to those lows in your life. Now, I want to talk about faith and hope, because even though they are related, they are not exactly the same. What does Hebrew 11.1 1 says? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? The conviction of things not seen. So they are related, but not the same thing. I'm going to explain it to you now. Faith is knowing that God will do it, right? I know that God can heal me. I know that God will make a way. I know that he will provide what I need. Now, hope is that expectation. It's how I enjoy that journey while I wait for that to come to pass. When a woman is pregnant, expecting her child, she has faith that she's going to have the child, right? I've never seen a pregnant woman saying, okay, I have a baby inside of me, but I don't really know if I'm going to give birth to it. No. She knows she's going to have her baby. But enjoying that pregnancy, expecting that baby, that's the hope. She prepares the room. She buys the crib. She buys all the sheets and all the decorations. She is enjoying that process. And the same thing happens when we hope for something. We can even taste it. We can actually see it. We can actually smell it. We have that joy while we wait for it. Those of you who are married or in a relationship, do you remember that first date? I hope you do. If not, maybe it was very bad. But you give him a second chance because you're here, right? right? So that first date, I'm talking to the ladies now, right? Someone was going to come and pick you up. You're going to the movies or to eat. You don't sit on a chair. Okay, I'm just going to wait for so-and-so to come. No. What do you do? You go to the hair salon. You get all pretty. You do your nails. You do your feet. You do whatever, right? Because you are expecting. 
expecting something good to happen. You prepare for it. When you are really hoping for something, you prepare for it. Church, we are expecting and hoping and believing for the second coming of Christ, right? So we need to hope for it. How do we hope for it? Expecting it, wanting it, preparing for it. So when he comes, we are ready. We know he's coming, but we also need to hope for it. Let me mention some reasons why people lose their hope. One of them could be an illness. And I'm not talking about just a cold. I'm talking about an illness, something that has impaired you from doing something that you've been months or maybe years suffering that illness. That can take away your hope. Loss of a loved one. And sometimes unexpected loss of a loved one. Oh, I can't see further. I'm, I'm here. Now I can't see what is coming. Loss of material things, a job, a house, a car, that can take away your hope. I had all these dreams about buying things or getting a new house, but now without a job, it's hard to hope for that new house, right? Insecurity or feeling incapable of doing something. You know you have to do something, whether it's in the spiritual or in the natural. You know you have to do it, right? But you don't feel confident about it. You don't have hope. Oh, I'm hoping for that to come to pass. No, you're thinking, I can't. I don't know how to do it, right? You're not really hoping or expecting it to come to pass because you're thinking about what you cannot do or you don't feel capable of doing. Failure or unfulfilled dream. For those who are planners, right? You set your goals. By this day, I'm going to do this. By this day, I'm going to do this. And all those dates come and nothing happened. That can make you lose your hope. God's promises not yet fulfilled. God promised you that child or God promised you that family member is going to come to Christ. I don't know what you're waiting for that God has promised you. But if time passes by and you don't see it come to pass, you might lose hope. Situations where we see no way out. The bank is calling me in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. When are you going to pay? And I look at my bank account, 0.00. I don't see a way out. God's got it. Don't worry. Situations that, that causes fear. Fear paralyzes us, and it doesn't let us enjoy the process of what God is doing. And number nine, betrayal. And this one we're going to talk a little bit more further on, right? That person that told you, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to help you. We're going to do this together. And all of a sudden, betrayal comes. That can take away your hope. Now let's talk about some people in the Bible who experienced hopelessness. And then we're going to relate them to a sixth person, which I'm, we're going to focus on today. The first 
is Elijah. Who was Elijah? Tell me. Prophet. And not any prophet. It was an anointed, anointed prophet. God used him in mighty ways. He confronted the prophets of Baal. He told them, if your God is really God, let's see who drops fire from heaven. God brings the fire, consumes everything. But you know what really gets to me? I'm like, wow. He alone killed all those prophets. It was 450 prophets. And he alone killed them all and, kill, and cut their heads. And I don't know, but I don't believe that those prophets were just kneeling down with their heads down. Okay, cut our heads off. I imagine Elijah running all over the place, rah, rah, like in the movies, right? He alone did it. That's impressive. But what happened? A messenger comes with the bad news. Elijah, Jezebel is not happy. She says, and she has an oath that she will not die until she sees you the same way as those prophets. She will kill you. And what does Elijah do? He hides in a cave. Imagine, after seeing those wonders, after doing all he did, he goes and hides in a cave. How many times has that happened to us? We know we're doing the right thing. We are doing what God has called us to do. We've seen his mighty hand, and then we get one bad news. I'm going to destroy you. And we go hid in a cave. The second person I'm going to talk about is David. We all know the story of David, the mighty King David, right? He had a lot of moments in his life where he lost hope, but I want to focus in one, and it's when his son Absalom, Absalom died. For those of you who do not know the story, Absalom was the rebel. He rebelled against his own father. He wanted to kill his own father. But David loved him. He still was his son. But when Absalom died, the Bible says that he shut himself in a room and all he did all day was cry loudly, my son Absalom, my son Absalom. And I'm not saying you need to have your time, you need to cry, yes. But the Bible says that he despised all those soldiers that were willing to give their lives for him. That he despised those soldiers that were still there bringing the victory. And one man called Joab, he had to come and tell the king, Excuse me, king. I know you're hurting. I know you're sad. But let me tell you something. You need to remember you are the king. And if you don't stand up and wash your face and put on your clothes and go outside to talk to those people, you are going to lose your kingdom. You're not going to have people loyal to you. And you know what David did? He did exactly what Joab said. 
He didn't say, oh no, you don't understand what I'm going through. He said, it's true. I am the king. The show must go on. Let me wash my face. Let me put on my clothes and let me go out. And the same thing happens to us. When we go to a, through a difficult time, we shut ourselves up and we don't see the good around us. And we just focus on what we lost. John the Baptist. We don't talk a lot about this guy, right? The radical, right? You know that John had a moment where he lost hope? What? Yes. The Bible says that when he was in prison, he sent a message to Jesus. And he said, are you really the one? Or do we need to wait for another? Now let me put you in perspective. We're talking about the guy who baptized Jesus. We're talking about the guy who saw the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven on top of Jesus. We're talking about the man who heard the voice of God saying, this is my son. And we're talking about the man who him, himself declared, this is the Christ, the one who takes away sin of the world. And now he's asking, are you really the one? Or do we need to keep waiting? And what, how many times have we been in that place where we have a promise of God and we have confirmation over and over and over, but when we don't see things that are really passing or happening, we start doubting. Did I go nuts? Maybe that wasn't God. Maybe I heard wrong. Job. Job, what a life, right? What does the Bible say about Job? He was a man of integrity. He was a man who every single morning, just in case his children had sinned against God, he offered a sacrifice. We're talking about a man that the Bible says that people came for counsel, for advice, because he was a wise, godly man. And in the blink of an eye, what happened? Tell me. He lost everything, his children, his possessions, even his health. He didn't lose the wife. We need to study that one, but whatever. He, <laughs> he lost his children, his possessions, even his health. But he was a man of integrity. Oh, but I'm praying, I'm worshiping. I'm tithing, I'm offering. Why is this happening to me? But you know what? I love something about Job. And I'm going to read it to you. In Job 19, verse 25, he says, I know my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh... Not in heaven when I'm transformed. In my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. If this is not the definition of hope, I don't know what it is. Job found his hope in God. The disciples 
after three years and a half of full ministry, seeing wonders, miracles, healing, now the master is no longer with us. They crucify him. The Bible says that they went back to do what they used to do. Peter went back to fishing. The other one went back to I don't know what. How many times have we been in a place where we feel this is not going to happen? Let me go back to do whatever I used to do. Now let me tell you five things that you must remember to not lose hope. And now I'm going to talk about one person that I'm pretty sure we've all heard about since we're kids in Bible school, they teach us about Joseph. Joseph, the one with the coat of colors. And now we're going to be reading in Genesis 37, so if you can look for it, Genesis 37, and stay there because we're going to read several verses from that chapter. What happened with Joseph? Who was Joseph? Tell me. Jacob's son, and not any son, his favorite. Why was he the favorite? He was the firstborn of Rachel. Remember the story? He worked seven years for Rachel. The dad tricks him. He gives him Leah. He has to work another seven years for Rachel, even though he got her at the next week, the following week, but he had to work for her seven more years. He had 12 sons. Jacob had 12 sons. The first 10 were from Leah. Rachel couldn't bear children. And after 10 sons, all boys, oh boy, Rachel says, I'm pregnant. So can you imagine Jacob? I'm having my son from Rachel. So Joseph was the favorite. The Bible says that he gave him a coat of colors. What did the brothers do? They hated him. They were jealous of him. But not only that, Jacob was not too wise. So Jacob told Joseph, go to the field, spy on your brothers. And if you see they're not doing what they're supposed to do, you come and tell him, tell me. So the brothers hating him, hate him even more. And on top of that, Joseph had some dreams. And the brothers heard the dreams. What are you saying? We're going to bow down to you? Are you crazy? Look, Joseph never said, you are going to bow down to me. His brothers assumed that. And they hated him even more. So with that background, that environment set, let's remember five things. Five things to not lose hope. Number one, please write it down. The enemy has a plan to destroy your hope. Oh, I thought you were going to say five very cute little things. Well, I need to tell you the first one. Because if I tell you that the enemy has a plan, now you're prepared. If I tell you the enemy has a plan, now you know you're gonna, you have to give a fight, right? Let's see what the v verse 18 says in Genesis 37. 
They saw him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired. In another version, it says they made plans against him to kill him. His brothers hated him. They wanted him dead. The same way the enemy wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your hope. He wants to destroy your dreams. You want to know why? Because your dreams are bigger than you. The dreams were never about Joseph. They were about something bigger. Joseph was going to be a blessing for others. The same way you are supposed to be a blessing for others. And the enemy is going to try to destroy your dreams. Remember Elijah? The enemy had a plan to kill him. And he has a plan to destroy your hope. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't ever forget that. The second thing you need to remember to not lose hope, and we sang it this morning in the worship, you need to remember who you are. Let's go to verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, what did they do? They stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. Why didn't the brothers just took him and throw him in the pit? Why did they have to take off his robe? Because that robe represented what? Position. I'm my daddy's favorite. And the same way, that they took up that robe, that code, to tell him, now you are nothing. The enemy is going to try to strip you from your identity and tell you, you are nothing. David forgot who he was. And Joab had to tell him, hey, you are still the king. When you remember who you are, and what you are called to do, you don't drown yourself in self-pity. You fight it. You stand up and you say, guess what? I know who I am. I am a child of God. My hope is in God. Third thing you need to remember. Remember you are not alone. Verse 24, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Let's talk a little bit about what a pit represents. Pit, what is a pit? Big hole, right? It was empty, and they threw him there. What can that represent for Joseph? Number one, despair. No one knows I'm here. Who's going to help me out? It could represent death. What if it pours down in rain and this gets full of water? I'm going to drown here. There's no food. I'm going to die of hunger. Loneliness. It says the pit was empty, so there was nobody there either. He was all alone in that pit. So let's think about the disciples again. When Jesus died on the cross... What happened? 
they felt alone. Now Jesus left us. But Joseph knew that there was a bigger plan. He knew that God has something for him. The fourth thing we need to remember, and I love this one. Remember that God will always make a way out. Now listen to this. Even when it doesn't look like it. What does that mean? Well, let's go to verse 28. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Now Joseph is a slave. Slavery didn't look at all like his dreams. In fact, it was the complete opposite. Now he's the one who has to bow down. He's the one who has to take instructions from somebody else and do them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It didn't look like his dreams. But guess what? He didn't die in the pit. And more so, they took him to Egypt. Where was the dream going to happen? In Egypt. So if his brothers wouldn't have sold him, he wouldn't have made it to that place. So church, sometimes the way out is not going to look like you expected. If you're watching online, maybe you're asking God for a way out, and God is giving you that way out, but you're saying, no, this is not the way out. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. We need to remember that there are situations that might seem worse, but there's actually a blessing behind them. When there are great floods, it rains a lot, there's disasters, right? But what happens to that soil after? It gets fertile, right? It gives more fruit. When we have wildfires, same thing happens. Disaster. But what happens to that soil after? It gets healthier, renewed. Church, the same thing is going to happen to you. You might see a disaster, but God will change it into a blessing to make you fruitful. We need to understand that everything works for the good. What does Romans 8.28 says? And we... Know that God causes, not the universe, not a force. Because now everyone likes this verse, even the people that don't serve God. Everything works out for the good. No, it says God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. Not for everybody. For those who love him. The fifth thing you need to remember to not lose hope is remember who you belong to. We were singing it this morning. We were singing, singing it this morning. I belong to you. In the natural, Joseph now was owned by 
the Ishmaelites. Then he was owned by an Egyptian. But you know what I love about Joseph? The Bible never says that he shifted his mindset to the one of a slave. I'm going to say it again because apparently you didn't hear me. The Bible never says that Joseph shifted his mindset to the one of a slave. The Bible says that he continued to be who he was. He didn't lose his dignity. The Bible says that wherever he went, he excelled. He was put as supervisor of the prisoners. He was put supervisor in Potiphar's house. He was put second in command in Egypt. That doesn't talk about a mindset of a slave. But what happens to us? When someone betrays us, I'm going to change. Now I'm not going to trust anybody. I am not going to help anybody. I'm just going to help those who help me. No. You need to remember who you belong to because it's not about you and it's not about those who betray you or those who didn't, didn't help you. It's about who you belong to. Joseph knew that his surroundings and his circumstance didn't determine who he was or who he belonged to. And the same thing happened to Job. The Bible says that he cursed the day he was born because all of what, is, what was taking place. But he never forgot who he belonged to. He knew he belonged to God. Even though the enemy tried to make him deny God, he never did. And he said, and we read it earlier, my redeemer lives. My God. I will see my God with my own eyes. Now I want to tell you something else. I want to tell you what Jesus says about hopelessness. And maybe after this, I won't preach any, any, any more here. But that's okay. Write this down. Jesus gives no room for hopelessness. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you're not going to have a day or a season that you're going to be sad or that you're going to have a hardship. It's going to be there with you. It's going to come for you. When you have that moment of fear, he's going to tell you, get, get up, have courage. But if you read the Bible, and if we are reading the same Bible, which I hope we are, you will see that immediately he will tell you, get up. Trust me. Keep walking. When Elijah was in the cave, hiding from Jezebel, the angel didn't tell him, Okay, Elijah, you can stay hidden in the cave for as long as you want. Buy six boxes of tissues, cry all you want, clean all your little boogers, 
And when you're ready, you call me and I'll come back. No. What did the angel tell him? Get up. Eat. Because you still have a long way to go. Last week, Pastor Fernie mentioned something that I was going to mention today. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. He mentioned Matthew 14, 27. Who remembers? The disciples in the boat. It was a storm. They see Jesus walking on water. Ah, a ghost. We're going to die. And what does the Bible say? Immediately. Say, immediately. Jesus said to them, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. As the worship comes, you need to remember that when you feel in that place of hopelessness, you need to remember, first of all, the enemy has a plan. I'm not going to let him win. Number two, you need to remember who you are. Number three, you need to remember that you are not alone. Number four, you need to remember that he's going to make a way out, even if it doesn't look like it. And number five, you need to remember that you belong to God. But you also need to remember what Jesus says. And when that time of despair comes, don't dwell in it. Remember what the Bible says. Remember you are a child of God. Jesus told the disciples, it is I. In other words, I am here. What did God tell Moses in the desert? I am. What does that mean? I am whatever you need me to be. If you need healing, I am your Jehovah Rapha. If you need provision, I am your Jehovah Jireh. If you need peace, I am your Jehovah Shalom. If you need justice, I am your Jehovah Sidkenu. I am whatever you need me to be. And going back to Romans 15, 13. Where is our source of hope? It's only in God. Only in God. Then you will have joy. Then you will have peace. How can you be so peaceful in the midst of your situation? Because I trust him. He is my source of hope then you will overflow. It doesn't say you're going to have a little bit. Two drops. You're going to overflow with, not hope, confident hope. You're going to be able to actually enjoy the journey. You're going to be able to actually enjoy what's taking place. You're going to expect it with joy, with peace. But you need to remember those five points that Joseph remembered. And at the end, 
the dream came to pass and he was a blessing for others again this is not about you it's how God wants to use you your hope comes from God comes from God now my second point was remember who you are and I told you that you are a child of God so these things pertain only those who are a child of God so the first thing you need to think this morning am I a child of God everyone has been created by God everyone is God's creation but not everyone is a child for you to be a child of God, the Bible says that you need to confess Jesus as the Son of God and as your Savior. So maybe you watching online or maybe you here just realized, wait a minute, maybe I'm not a child of God because I haven't done that declaration I haven't confessed that I believe that Jesus is the son of God that I believe that he died for me and I haven't declared him my Lord and Savior so while you analyze that I'm going to ask another question Do you feel right now in a place of hopelessness? And if that's you, you know what you have to do? Repent. Repent? Yes. You need to ask God for forgiveness right now and tell him, God, I am so sorry that I didn't put my trust in you. I am so sorry that I forgot who I belong to. I am so sorry that I forgot that you are with me. Even if I cannot see you. Even when things don't happen like I thought. I am so sorry. If you are in that place right now, tell him, I'm sorry. You are my hope. You are my hope. Everything I need, I will find only in you. Now going back to those who just realized that you need Jesus. I want you to say this prayer with me. And church, please do it with them. God, I am a sinner. And on my own, I cannot get to you. But I confess that Jesus is your son. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rise from the grave to pay the price for my sin. And I ask Jesus to come and live in my heart and write my name in the book of life. And God, from now on, say it loud. I 
am yours. And you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen.